You might have heard in the news about the giant 3D lifelike cat on a billboard in Tokyo, attracting fans from around the country and even worldwide. If you have never seen it, search for the giant 3D cat in Tokyo and you will find reports about it. Of course, don't do it now until after this message. During the pandemic, this giant cat served as a source of anxiety relief for many people living in Tokyo. Humans love dogs because they are faithful, and we love cats because they are graceful. We love them maybe because they quench our thirst for faith and grace in this fallen world. Cats can also teach us something about balancing rest, play, and work. Jesus wants us to observe nature and learn how to live a balanced life. For example, he asked us to look at the birds in the sky and flowers in the field to appreciate their beauty and to learn from them how not to worry about life and how God constantly provides them. As you may already know, Japan loves cats. They invented Hello Kitty, started cat cafes, and even established a Zen temple for cats. Some monks believe cats personify the Zen spirit because they know how to achieve maximum impact with minimum effort. They avoid confrontation, but when they must fight, they fight like Bruce Lee, knocking off their opponents in the shortest time possible. Sleeping about 16 hours a day, cats may appear lazy, but they can concentrate every bit of energy on a single task with laser focus. I'm sure you agree that cats are highly efficient. If you have seen the scientific documentaries from Discovery, National Geographic, or animal channels about how the feline family functions. Their bodies are like liquid, but they can suddenly turn into powerful fighting machines to attack and even seriously injure an enemy 10 times their size. So in a sense, they possess both humility and vitality, serenity and fortitude. Most importantly, their efficiency comes from focusing on a single task. Scientists have discovered that as humans, we can improve our health and wholeness by focusing on one task at a time. Distraction can cause anxiety. Anxiety in turn can cause distraction. So it's a vicious cycle. If you can focus on one thing, you will be highly efficient and able to maintain your mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. In today's scripture lesson, Jesus warned one of his best friends, Martha, about the distractions that had driven her crazy. She was showing symptoms of chronic anxiety that could ruin her sanity and relationship with her sister and others, including Jesus. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There's need of only one thing, verses 41 and 42. Jesus diagnosed that mother's anxiety comes from 
being distracted by many things, and prescribed a solution by asking her to focus on one thing. The problem is, how do we choose the one thing to focus on when we have a thousand options on our plate in this busy world? When we study the context, we discovered that Jesus was not talking about any one thing, but the one thing that keeps us on the right path and maintain our sanity and well-being. Today, we will explore this one thing from the scripture so that we can also lead a healthy and happy life. Let's begin. Hi, in case we haven't met yet, I'm Sam Stone, the Light Keeper. You are the light of the world and I'm the keeper. No pun intended. It's my calling to help you shine your brightest so that God is glorified in you and you are satisfied in God. The scriptural lesson for today is from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 10 verses 38 to 42. Listen to the word of the Lord. Now as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary had chosen the better part, which would not be taken away from her. Luke 10, 38-42. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Many people sympathized with Martha, thinking her reaction was reasonable. She reminds me of my grandma. When she got busy, everyone got scolded. I got nervous when she got busy, especially when I didn't know how to help her because if I did something that wasn't helpful, it would make her busier and I got yelled at even more. Grandma belonged to a generation that expected everyone to know what they should do instinctively without being told. Sometimes she would give me a hint and I was supposed to know what she meant. To her disappointment, I was a little dense when it comes to reading her hinting gestures. So I can fully understand Martha's sentiment. She didn't even talk to her sister, but to Jesus instead. It sounded like a hint. It also seemed to mean that even if Mary was dense, Jesus should have known better and instructed her to get up and help. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. Verse 40. Her statement shows some severe symptoms of anxiety. First, she blamed Jesus for her problem. Lord, do you not care? She sounded exactly like my grandma. When she got busy, even the guests didn't get away unscorched. 
For those who have read the New Testament, we know this family's relationship with Jesus was very special. So Martha must be talking to Jesus like a family member and not as a guest. Still, Martha's behavior tells us about a pitfall with service. We assume that by serving others, we gain the right to boss over them. In any organization, we often see people who work the hardest become intoxicated by the power that comes with their service. It's a pitfall we must avoid. Otherwise, we might think we can even tell God what to do because of our service. Martha was doing the right thing by providing hospitality to Jesus and the guests. Hospitality is a hidden commandment in the Bible, and God takes it very seriously. So Martha was doing what God loves to see. Her problem was not doing the wrong thing, but abusing the privilege she gained from doing the right thing. When I was living in Flushing, New York, we lived next to a botanical garden. At one point, the garden administration stocked a large pile of fertilizers in the garden that made the entire neighborhood stink. Someone in the community organized a protest against a borough, which we didn't know about. The next day, he came knocking on the door of our building and scolded everyone for not joining him in speaking up. His harsh words were counterproductive. Everyone was grateful for his leadership, but they were all turned off by his stinky attitude. We see this phenomenon in our government too. I remember those days when I took my parents to the immigration office in Newark and got yelled at for simply asking some additional questions. They were supposed to be civil servants, but they behaved like dictators. In fact, that's how dictators are created. They began with good intentions and faithful service for the community, but gradually they become corrupted by the power they gain through their service. Vladimir Putin might be able to tell us how much sacrifice he had made to earn the right to be the dictator. Another symptom of stress from busyness in Martha's statement is that she instructed Jesus to tell her sister instead of telling her herself. Tell her then to help me, she told Jesus. That's called triangulation, a destructive behavior. For example, if a member of the family had something against another member, and she tells a third person to convey the information to the other, that's called triangulation. That's what Martha did. Triangles are very strong, as we know and constant triangulations could destroy a family or an organization, a community, or even a country. One wise thing we can do is not to accept triangulation. Jesus didn't turn around and convey mother's word to Mary. If he did, he would have further fractured mother and Mary's relationships. Jesus could have said, tell her yourself, 
but he wanted to address the root problem rather than merely stopping the triangulation. Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Verses 41 and 42. Luke was a little vague in telling this story, leaving a lot of gaps for interpretation. What is the one thing Jesus was talking about? Many people thought the one thing was sitting there listening to Jesus' teaching like Mary did, as if it was more important to worship than to serve. The correct interpretation is in the context. The entire chapter 10 is about hospitality, beginning with Jesus sending out 70 people to bring the good news to the towns that provided them hospitality. Then Jesus taught the great commandment and told the story of the Good Samaritan as an example of loving your neighbor as yourself. In that context, we can see the one thing Jesus was talking about was the great commandment. The Good Samaritan was busy traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho we know he was busy because the next day he went on his journey without waiting for the recovery of the wounded man he saved. Despite his busyness, he didn't forget the one thing, to love his neighbor as himself. It's also an example of hospitality on the road. The man was not his neighbor living next door to his home. That means you don't have to be home to provide hospitality. Every human being that you encounter is your neighbor. Like the Good Samaritan, Martha was busy, but she forgot the one thing, the primary reason for her hospitality. Without that one thing, her hospitality became counterproductive as she began to offend her sister and her special guest, Jesus. We know Jesus' entire mission is to restore relationships, and all his teaching center on loving God and loving people. So when you neglect relationships, you miss everything. The Good Samaritan's story also reveals that relationships must be the priority in everything we do, no matter how busy we are. So the one thing is keeping relationship as your priority. As Stephen Covey said, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Jesus said that Mother forgot the one thing because she was distracted by many things. But Mary was able to keep it together. The distracted Martha wanted to distract her sister. Just like the saying, misery loves company. But Jesus didn't allow the virus to spread and stop her right there. So based on the context, Jesus was not saying Mary did the right thing or mother did the wrong thing. Both of them were providing hospitality in their own way. Mary provided hospitality with her ears and mother with her hands. The difference is Mary didn't lose her composure. How do you avoid losing your composure when your beloved sister recruits you to join her misery. If I were Mary, I might feel a little agitated 
and want to get up immediately, follow Martha to the kitchen and get busy. If she did, she would have become an enabler of mother's addiction to power and privilege. We can learn three things from this story to maintain our equanimity or composure. Number one, clarify your priority. Life gives us many choices. It's not easy to set our priorities without divine guidance. In the context of this lesson, Jesus makes it easy for us to decide on our priorities. Love God and love people, nothing more and nothing less. That's the one thing Jesus repeatedly reminded us of. No matter how busy we are or come hell or high water, we must not compromise our number one priority. The great commandment gives us equilibrium at times of confusion. Whenever we feel pulled in many directions, just answer this question. What should I do to love God and love people? If Martha had asked this question, her stress would have gone away, and she wouldn't have made the mistake of lashing out on Jesus and her sister. She might have politely asked Mary to help her or find another solution to let Mary to entertain Jesus in her own way. So make the great commandments your priority and don't compromise it. Secondly, stay humble. If we were like mother providing service and hospitality, we must remember to stay humble even when we are busy. Service makes us proud. Then how do we serve and stay humble? Jesus set an example for us by washing his disciples' feet. So when you serve, go all the way in your service and don't expect anything in return. Don't even accept people's praise for your service because you can lose your grounding when you take credit for your good deeds. It's not easy to stay humble, especially when you have done many great works. The best way to stay humble is to learn from Jesus. He said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Matthew eleven twenty nine. When Jesus said this, he was inviting the busy people to come and learn from him. Thirdly, don't please everyone. Don't confuse pleasing people with loving people. We need some wisdom to know the difference. The rule of thumb is being aware of your anxiety. When you're pulled by peer pressure or people pressure, you get anxiety. When you're pulled by God's principles, you get peace. Jesus was uncompromising in his priority. At this moment, Jesus was on his final journey to Jerusalem. He wanted to stop by the Samaritan villages on the way to deliver his message of reconciliation. But they rejected him because his priority was to go to Jerusalem to fulfill his mission. The Bible says, but they, Samaritans, did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. Luke 9.53 The Samaritans wanted to own Jesus and didn't want to share him with the Jews. 
even though Jesus was a Jew. It was somewhat flattering, but Jesus did not compromise his priority to people's pressure. It means your single-mindedness on God-giving priority may offend some people, but you must know that you cannot please everyone. Don't confuse pleasing people with loving people. In Mary's case and in Jesus' case, it was unloving to please them. So don't feel guilty when you stick with your one thing. There we have it, three things we can do to maintain our well-being. Clarify your priority. Stay humble. Don't please everyone. Don't confuse loving people with pleasing people. That's it for today. I hope you find this message illuminating as much as I enjoy receiving it from the head office. Until we meet again, keep your light shining brighter and broader and harvest the fruit of profound happiness. Amen. Bye now.